Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. It's the time of the year when we reflect on things we're thankful for. And in that spirit, we've got a list of songs of thanks, from Led Zeppelin to Sly and the Family Stone to The Descendants. Plus the story of a bass masquerading as a guitar. Wangy sound of the bass six. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Greg, later in the show, we've got our occasional feature instrumental where we're going to look at the bass six, a fascinating instrument a lot of people don't know about, but it's been on uh, recordings from Roy Orbison to New Order. That's later in the show, but first, Jim, we want to uh, honor the fact that Thanksgiving has just been completed. We have got Full stomachs, full hearts. I ate too much. We want to play some songs, a soundtrack for this occasion of thankfulness. Uh, Many songs throughout the history of of rock and pop and R&B and soul and hip-hop have been written giving thanks. And you don't often associate that with uh, a revolutionary rebel art form, right? Well, usually you're expressing a, a lack of satisfaction <laughs> and not stopping to say thank you. That's yeah. right. And, and here are the exceptions to that rule. There's a pretty heavy-duty soundtrack. Uh, we want to take you all over the map across the decades uh, with, with our songs of thanks. To start us off, Jim, I want to go to Memphis and Stax Records, uh, which produced a string of marvelous recordings in the 60s, uh, uh, including those of Sam and Dave, the duo of Sam Moore and Dave Prater. Mm. Many of their songs were written by Isaac Hayes and, and Dave Porter, including the one I'm going to play. The song, I Thank You, perhaps known in some quarters as a, a, a hit covered by ZZ Top in the late 70s. A little old band from Texas had a hit uh, version of this song. But the original by Sam and Dave from the 60s of I Thank You, I think is the definitive one. And not the least of which uh, reasons are Sam's intro. He sounds like a preacher here. Yeah. You know, get your arms together, get your hands together, and give me some of that old soul clapping. The song has a vibe to it where... Uh, he's talking about being smothered by love, and a lot of people might push that away, saying, I don't, I don't need so much of you all the time. And they're saying, why not? That is a gift from God. You should embrace it. Uh, you should love that person uh, right back uh, with all the affection you can muster. And I think that's a beautiful sentiment at this time of year. Sam and Dave with I Thank You on Sound Opinions. I want everybody to get up off your seat and get your arms together and your hands together and give me some of that.
Sam and Dave with I Thank You. That is my first thank you song that I want to play. Jim, what have you got? Just kick us off. Well, you know, when we started talking about doing this show, Greg, the very first song that popped into my head is, of course, Thank You by Led Zeppelin. 1969's Led Zeppelin II, uh, pretty much the definitive metal Zeppelin. Uh, And then there's this song, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, we forget that John Paul Jones, uh, some people forget that John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page were very accomplished English session musicians uh, playing, uh, you know, with with the Kinks and in that scene post-Beatles, the whole pop explosion of 66 and 67 and even earlier. And uh, this, to me, is the one song in Zeppelin's catalog that really uh, could have come out in 66. You mm-hmm. know, it has nothing to do hmm. with 69 and the Zeppelin that will become, you know, the rampaging Viking gods <laughs> of metal in the 70s. It is it is a 60s pop song. It is a supremely goofy one. These lyrics, oh my God. Little drops of rain, whisper of the pain, tears of love lost in the days gone by, right? All right. But it's so beautiful. That, that mm. silliness of Plant's vocals, the mix of sweet and sour that is so classically Zeppelin, the gentle acoustic guitar intro, John Paul Jones's organ, and then, man, when Bonham mm. comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I love the way this goes back and forth. This is one of my favorite Zeppelin songs ever, as silly as it is. Thank you by Led Zeppelin on Sound Opinions. If the sun refused to shine I would still be loving you When mountains crumble to the sea There will still be you and me That is Led Zeppelin's Thank You classic. I love that song. Greg, what do you have next? Yeah, that's a beautiful one, uh, Jim. I'm going to go to Tupac Shakur with a song called Dear Mama. You know, love for mom. I mean, who who doesn't relate to that, right? We all love our moms. And I'm telling you, the, the, the one thing about Tupac was that a lot of people viewed him as strictly a gangster. You know, this, this guy who was talking about... Uh, running with gangs and yeah. and messing people up and yeah. and drug running. And no, but he he got his love of poetry from mom. Absolutely. The the one thing about him as an artist 
is that there was a tenderness and a vulnerability also there. There mm-hmm. was the gangster, but it was, there was also the mama's boy. And he had a very tough upbringing. And this tribute to his mother, Afeni Shakur, uh, is a beautiful one. Uh, he talks about, very frankly, about the poverty that he grew up in and, the, and his mother's addiction to crack cocaine. And despite the fact that she was addicted, she nonetheless was his rock through a lot of tough times. She came through for him mm-hmm. whenever he needed her. And now he's going back and reflecting back on maybe I mistreated my mother back then. Maybe I wasn't as kind to her as I should have been. And, and, and this is his way of saying, you know, I forgive you, Mom, for what you did, and I hope you can forgive me. Uh, and the love and deep respect he has for her endures. Uh, Dear Mama, a great thank you song to Mom from Tupac Shakur on Sound Opinions. When I was young, me and my mama had beef, 17 years old, kicked out on the streets. Though back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Suspended from school, I'm scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Shed tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was poor than other little kids. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the stress I caused. It was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. In elementary, hey, I see the penitentiary one day. Running from the police, that's right. Mama catch me, put a whoop into my backside. And even as a crack fiend, mama, you always was a black queen, mama. I finally understand for a woman, it ain't easy trying to raise a man. You always was committed, a poor single mother on welfare. Tell me how you did it, there's no way I can pay you back. But the plan is to show you that I understand. You all appreciate it. Baby, don't you know we love you, sweet Dear mama. Please, no one above you, sweet You all appreciate Don't you know we love you. Now ain't nobody tell us it was fair. No love for my daddy cause the coward wasn't there. He passed away and I didn't cry cause my anger let me feel for a stranger They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless But all along I was looking for a father He was gone I hung around with the thugs And even though they sold drugs They showed a young brother love I moved out and started really hanging I needed money of my own So I started slanging I ain't guilty cause even though I sell rocks It feels good putting money in your mailbox I love paying rent when the rent's due I hope you got the diamond necklace that I sent to you Cause when I was low, you was there for me You never left me alone because you cared for me And I can see you coming home after work late You're in the kitchen trying to fix us a hot plate You're just working with the scraps you was given And mama made miracles every Thanksgiving But now the road got rough, you're alone You're trying to raise two bad kids on your own And there's no way I can pay you back But my plan is to show you that I understand You all appreciate it that is Tupac with Dear Mama from 1995 on Sound Opinions, a song of thanks. What have you got next, Jim? I'm going to Natalie Merchant, Greg, uh, but not 10,000 Maniacs, which is, I think, what most fans would think of. 
Uh, I was a huge fan of Natalie's second solo album, Ophelia. Do you remember the art for that? Um, it was this great fold-out uh, CD jacket where she played like 10 different characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. She was part of a traveling circus, and each <laughs> the idea was that she was taking on a different persona for each song. Uh, I think uh, those two solo albums, especially Ophelia, vastly underrated. Uh, and I love this song, Kind and Generous. I mean, what else can you say? You know, you've been so kind and generous, I don't know how you keep on giving. Uh, for your kindness, I'm in debt to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. What a sweet way to say thank you. What a great voice. We've, we've not heard enough from Natalie Merchant in recent years. She's one of these artists who, who uh, you know, takes long periods of time and doesn't come back until she has something to say. Natalie, come back. I miss you. But thank you for what you've given us. Here's Kind and Generous on Sound Opinions. We'll have more of our picks of songs of thanks after a short break, and later we'll hear the story of a little-known but important instrument, the bass six. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Sound Opinions. I'm Jim Beergottis. My partner is Greg Codd. Greg, I thank you for being my partner. How about that? <laughs> thank you, Jim. It is Thanksgiving. We are playing songs of thanks. Great rock and pop tunes from throughout the decades uh, where somebody stopped for a minute and said thank you. Uh, it's music to go with those turkey leftover sandwiches or, <laughs> or tofu turkey or whatever it is that you're eating. What do you got, Greg? Jim, I want to say thank you to the uh, Descendants, one of my favorite pop-punk bands yeah. of uh, many decades ago. I started listening to them as a kid and uh, grew up with them. I mean, there's been several hiatuses and comebacks by this band, and I've, I've been a fan of everyone. They never seem to lose their mojo. They always seem to be on top of their game. Uh, California Quartet started out in 77. They've written some wonderful songs, not the least of which is the song Thank You from 1996, in which they pay tribute not to a girl, but a band. Uh, You know, thank you for playing the way you play, they say in the song. Did you know you're why I go and waste my time at a rock and roll show? You let me know I'm not alone. And that that is uh, in many ways epitomizes the experience of being a young person going to your first rock show and just being blown away by what you see happening on that stage and realizing they're relating to your life. They're reflecting your life back to you. There was many Descendants fans who felt the same way, who grew up with this band. And I think the Descendants themselves were once kids talking about the notion of, of going to see a band and being inspired to pick up guitars themselves. This song perfectly encapsulates that emotion. Thank you by the Descendants on Sound Opinions. I That is thank you from the great pop punk band, The Descendants, on Sound Opinions. 
Jim, you've got another song of thanks for us. You know, I'm thankful we have sound opinions uh, to do every week, Greg, because I don't think anybody else on radio would go from the descendants to ABBA <laughs> in the space of two songs. There you go. We love ABBA. Both of us love ABBA. Thank you for the music. One of the songs that came at the very end of their career, it was supposed to be part of a four-song mini-musical suite that uh, Benny and Bjorn, the songwriting auteurs, were writing for uh, uh, Ani and Agnetha. It instead becomes a, a showcase for Agnetha, and it's just on the side. It's right on that cusp. You know Julie Klausner shamed me for it. I have this hatred of musical theater, all mm. right? And this song is really pretty... Mm. Musical theatric, but it's ABBA, and I love it. And there's always those Swedish perfect pop songs, and the women's vocals are so amazing. I'm nothing special. In fact, I'm a bit of a bore. If I tell you a joke, you've probably heard it before. And you're like, well, where, where is she getting here, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole thing builds to this love letter to without a song or a dance, what are we? What would life be? So I say thank you for the music, mm -hmm. right? This is the story of our lives. It's cheesy. I'm sorry. Uh, it's ABBA. But thank you for the music on Sound Opinions. I'm nothing special. In fact, I'm a bit of a bore. If I tell a joke, you've probably heard it before. But I have a talent, a wonderful thing Cause everyone listens when I start to sing I'm so grateful and proud All I want is to sing it out loud So Thank you for the music. Greg, you got one more? I do, Jim. I want to go to Sinead O'Connor with a song called Thank You for Hearing Me from her 1994 album, Universal Mother. I think this is one of uh, Sinead's most uh, heartfelt and emotional songs, and that's yeah. really saying something, because 
I don't think Sinead has really ever done a half-hearted song in her life. She's, she's one of those in 110 percent who invests in what she's writing and how she's singing it. Uh, she's had a very difficult and complicated life. Uh, there's no doubt about it. She had a, uh, an extremely complicated relationship with her mother, which is one reason this album was titled Universal Mother. The other is that uh, Sinead was writing this album as she was uh, you know, having her own experiences as the mother of what was to become four children. Um, tumultuous relationships uh, throughout her life, not only with her mom, uh, but with her four husbands over the years. A lot of that is poured into this song. It is about a relationship coming together and the strength that it gave her and also that relationship falling apart and the strength she gained from that. There is a hard-won wisdom at work here. A lot of people, when they think of Sinead O'Connor, think of that song, Nothing Compares to You, her, her great cover of that Prince song where she has a tear rolling down her eye and they sort of think of her as, well, a heartbroken victim in that song. And this song is saying, those experiences made me better, made me stronger. You know, she once compared it to a doctor telling her, when you break a bone, when it mends, it's actually stronger than it was in the first place. And she says, the heart is the same way, uh, that it can come back stronger from a, an experience like that. So in the final lines of this song, after all these really positive sentiments, she's talking about, thank you for breaking my heart, Thank you for tearing me apart. And now I've got a strong, strong heart. Thank you for breaking my heart. It's a really powerful moment and a very powerful song. This is Thank You For Hearing Me from Sinead O'Connor on Sound Opinions. You are gentle.
Sinead O'Connor, thank you for hearing me from 1994. You've got one final thank you song for us, Jim. Thank you for letting me be myself again, Yes, Greg. indeed. Yes, indeed. Sly and the Family Stone, an incredible 1969 tune. Um, you know, it's just celebratory. Uh, I've always heard it as a championing of one of rock and roll's great themes, individuality, right? Not conforming. I don't fit in. I'm a misfit. I'm claiming it. Thank you for letting me be myself again. But when you listen a little deeper, I think two things are happening. Number one, uh, you know, that first verse, uh, Sly is singing with Rose Stone and Freddie Stone and Larry Graham, the bassist, they're all contributing vocals. Looking at the devil, grinning at his gun, fingers start shaking, I begin to run, bullets start chasing, I begin to stop. We begin to wrestle. I was on top. I mean, I think they're talking about violence in the streets. And uh, uh, the singer was spared. Mm -hmm. Thank you for letting me be myself again. Thank you for letting me live, okay? And then as the song progresses, the references to earlier Sly work, uh, everyday people sing a simple song, uh, Papa's still singing, you make try, different strokes for different folks, right? Sly and the Family Stone is coming out of a dark period. Uh, they're coming to the end of their career. Uh, you know, Sly would have uh, years of sadness and darkness. And, and I mean, he really was a, a groundbreaking genius, merging rock and pop and soul and funk, laying the groundwork for all black music that followed in mm -hmm. the 80s and the 90s and the 2000s, uh, and troubled and uh, drug addicted and disappeared from view is not the hero uh, we want to remember, deserves to be remembered. I think this is kind of a fair well song. Maybe he's saying goodbye to the whole business of stardom. Uh, thank you for letting me be myself. I'm not going to be what you expect me to be anymore. There's a lot happening here. But the thank you, I believe, is sincere. Sly and the Family Stone on Sound Opinions.
Thank you for letting me be myself again from Sly and the Family Stone, our final pick for a thank you song. That wraps up our playlist, but what's your favorite song that says thank you? Call and leave us a message on our hotline, 888-859-1800, or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. When we return, the history of the base six, from Patsy Cline to The Cure. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And that's one final song of Thanks For You, Thanks A Lot by Ernest Tubb. There's an instrument behind Ernest on that tune that's kind of a hybrid of a guitar and a bass. It's generally called a bass six, and it's the subject of our latest installment of Instrumental, the segment where we take an in-depth look at an iconic instrument in rock history that may or may not be especially well-known. Once again, Daniel Escauriza and Shelby Pollard of Chicago Music Exchange will help us demonstrate. Now, Jim, so far we've done uh, pieces on the Rickenbacker 12-string guitar and the wah-wah pedal. The bass six doesn't have the same kind of name recognition, but it's been on many classic recordings. From Elvis Presley. You look like an angel. Walk like an angel. To the Cocktail Twins. going to turn it over to our producer, Evan Chung, to explain. It's not just that it isn't a household name. This instrument doesn't even have a proper name. <laughs> I don't I mean, it's so hard to even talk about because it's, it's just confusing. The instrument that Daniel Escariza of Chicago Music Exchange is trying to talk about does at least have a brand name associated with it. The Fender Bass 6, as in the Roman numeral. Now that's the most famous model, so for simplicity's sake, we're gonna refer to all of these instruments as a bass six. But really, musicians and manufacturers can't agree on what to call it and use several terms interchangeably. From far away, it can be confused easily as a guitar. It just looks like a six-string guitar. But it's not a guitar. It's tuned lower than that. So a lot of people call it a baritone guitar. It's certainly not a baritone guitar either, because a baritone guitar is tuned differently. In fact, the tuning is even lower than a baritone. From E to E, just like a regular guitar, but an octave below. 
and the lowest note it can play is the same low note as an electric bass. So since it has the range of a bass and has six strings, plenty of people call it a six-string bass. But that term is already taken by an instrument with an even lower tuning. When you think of six-string bass, you think of this giant fusion instrument with a huge neck. And it's not like that at all. The string spacing is fairly narrow, so it can be approached like a regular guitar and played like, you know, you can play chords on it, you can play arpeggios on it. The bass six also has very large gauge strings compared to a six string guitar, a normal guitar, but they're still thin enough that they can be kind of approached again like a regular guitar. A bass disguised as a guitar. That's what made the bass six so appealing. It was meant to be a bridge instrument a bass designed for someone who already knew how to play guitar, someone like Shelby Pollard of the Chicago Music Exchange. I'm not a bass player by any shape of the imagination, but it's a lot easier to just pick up a bass six and play. It's the same scale length. It feels exactly like a guitar, but it doesn't sound like one. So what does it sound like? One notable feature of the bass six is its deep twang. You can hear that on display all over a 1959 album by rock and roll legend Dwayne Eddy, appropriately titled The Twang's the Thang. design of the pickups, the gauge of the strings, and the fact that it's almost always played with a pick instead of with your fingers give the bass six another distinctive sonic quality. It really has this attack to it that no other instrument has. The notes are very defined. Their attacks are very sharp. That sharp tone was put to good use in Nashville in the 1950s. Up to that point, traditional country records had always used an upright bass. But the tone of the upright could come across as kind of a dull thud that didn't always cut through on AM radios. That was a much more subdued sound, a much rounder sound without a very sharp attack. But in 1956, the Dan Electro Company released the first version of a bass six. And Nashville producers realized that they could take advantage of its sharp attack to help make the upright bass lines more audible. To get the best of both worlds, they began using two basses simultaneously on country recordings. You can get a clear example if you listen closely to a stereo mix of a Patsy Cline song. In the right channel, you'll hear Bob Moore providing the low frequencies with his upright bass. And in your left ear, there's the click of Harold Bradley's bass six doubling the part. doubled the bass line with the six-string bass, 
it really brought those bass lines to the forefront more than ever before, and you, you could hear them more distinctly than ever before. That technique of using a bass six to double the upright became known as tic-tac bass. It's a subtle effect, but you can find it in so many classic country, rockabilly, and rock and roll recordings of the 50s and early 60s, like in this classic Roy Orbison single. Cause you're working for the man Sometimes the bass six players even got a chance to step up for a solo. And on one occasion, that ended up changing music forever. In 1960, Grady Martin was playing his Dan Electro bass six on a Marty Robbins ballad called Don't Worry. But as he started his solo, a preamp on the mixing board went bad. But the band liked how it sounded and released it as is introducing guitar fuzz to the world. In 1961, Fender released its own version of the instrument, the Fender 6, which, as we mentioned, became the most popular model. It looks a lot like a Fender Jaguar guitar, and you might recognize it as the most precious instrument in the guitar collection of Nigel Tufnell of Spinal Tap. You just bought it. Don't touch it. I, don't well, touch I, it. I wasn't going to touch it. No, don't touch it. I was it. just pointing at it. I, well, don't point even. Don't it even point? Be, no, it can't be played. Never. I mean, I, Can I, I look I, at no. it? No, you've seen Don't enough of that it. one. Fender specifically advertised the six as a bass, but as Daniel and Shelby explain, they added a very guitar-like feature, a whammy bar. I feel so stupid saying yeah. that, whammy. A vibrato effect. Vibrato, thank you. Yeah. The effect that it has is when you push down or pull up on the arm is the pitch of the strings goes up and down. And it also has a built-in mute which is super cool. You can flip it on. It really reduces the sustain of the strings dramatically, which accents that attack even more. The bass six became a favorite tool of the legendary LA session musicians known as the Wrecking Crew in the 60s. During the Pet Sound sessions, Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys would layer three different basses, including a bass six. Here's Shelby Pollard performing the iconic bass six line from Good Vibrations. And hey, you're playing these in the keys uh, in, of the recordings, right? No, I completely changed all the keys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it was a stupid question, but it had to be asked. One of the Wrecking Crew musicians on many of those Beach Boys recordings was Carol Kay. 
1968, she had her Dan Electro bass six with her for a session with the late Glenn Campbell. There was a part in the middle of the song that hadn't been worked out yet, and since Glenn Campbell loved the sound of Kay's bass six, he had the idea to borrow it and played what became an unforgettable twangy solo in Wichita Lineman. Even legendary jazz guitarist Wes Montgomery tried out a rare Gibson version of a bass six on his Moving Along album. The Bay Six took on a whole new life in the post-punk era of the 80s, with bands adding a healthy dose of moody reverb to it. It became a major weapon, for example, in the arsenal of Peter Hook of New Order. Maybe most notably, Robert Smith of The Cure love to incorporate that dark sound of the bass six into classic albums like Disintegration. And if the cure isn't moody enough for you, Let's transport you to the dark woods of Washington with the bass six in Angelo Badalamenti's theme to Twin Peaks. In the last few decades, probably the artist most associated with the instrument is our friend Doug McCombs. The bass six is the foundation of many songs throughout his work in Brokeback, Eleventh Dream Day, and Tortoise. It's definitely a conversation starter. Doug McCombs stopped by our studio to demonstrate his bass six. In the mid-90s, it was still kind of an anomaly. People weren't really aware of that it existed. And I would get people saying, wow, you know, like, what kind of octave pedal are you using on your guitar? Or how do you tune that thing, you know, or whatever, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. To a certain degree, that's part of what um, appealed to me of about the instrument. It was a l- kind of a way to set myself apart a little bit and just have like a little niche of specificity that I was able to inhabit. To me, it's like a lonely sound. It's like deep, resonant, twangy at the same time. That's what I like about it. The low register 
but the twanginess of an electric guitar. That's Doug McCombs of Brokeback Tortoise and 11th Dream Day performing from the Black Current on his bass six, live on Sound Opinions. Thanks to our own Evan Chung for producing that piece. And if you have a favorite use of the bass six, let us know on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Now it's time for another edition of our occasional series, Hooked on Sonics, where we ask a musician about the song that got them interested in music. Today we're talking with Tim McElrath of the political punk band Rise Against. Dancing on the crumbling precipice My name is Tim McElrath. I sing and play guitar in the band Rise Against. The song that I first heard that made me want to pursue music and be a part of it was Waiting Room by Fugazi. Waiting Room, I think, was just so unlike anything I'd heard. Uh, I was just getting into punk and hardcore, and Fugazi didn't sound like any of it. It sounded like punk guys who were liberated from the idea of what punk should or shouldn't sound like, and it was just it was powerful. I had an appetite for it that I didn't even realize I had, you know, and I started hearing this music. It was a combination of the music, the, the subculture that I found so interesting. Uh, it was all very just underground and happening on its own. I, I just, I fell in love with every, every single part of it. And then eventually I, I wanted to create it. And that was when I got a guitar, probably at the age of like 13 or 14. Their whole existence, the whole endeavor of Fugazi was so punk. It was kind of this middle finger to capitalism. It was just kind of this middle finger to what music should be. You know, they didn't make merchandise. They didn't create t-shirts, which is most bands, if not all bands, bread and butter. They sort of took these stances and they kept with it. And all of those decisions are decisions that would historically probably hurt a band. It would ensure that they would they would remain underground and never have any sort of national success. And yet, for them, it was like the opposite. They became these mythological characters.
did I know that those sort of random encounters with something like music, which may have seemed trivial at the time, would really shift the direction of my life. I would like to think that the bands that, like Fugazi, that I learned so much from, that part of that is being passed down to the, the next generation. And that's kind of the, the debt that I feel like I owe to that, that entire scene of music that, that shaped my life. That was Tim McElrath of Rise Against talking about Fugazi's Waiting Room, the song that got him hooked on Sonics, and it was a good one. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have our favorite list of the year, the best albums of 2017. Woo! Special thanks this week to Daniel Escariza, Shelby Pollard, and Colin Ashmi Bobbitt. Sound Opinions was produced, as always, by Brendan Banasak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and Iona Contreras. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. My name is Joyce. I never place a phone call for something like this, but I so enjoyed your program today on Al Green. My favorite Al Green song is Love and Happiness. Love and Happiness Someone's on the phone, three o'clock in the morning, yeah, talking about how she can make it right, yeah, happiness is when... I have a granddaughter that, um, when that song comes on the radio and I'm in the car, she knows to get prepared because grandma is going to belt it out. I seldomly buy books that I hear um, talked about. I tend to choose my books another way, but that gentleman sounded so passionate about his writing of the book, and I in particular don't like to read biographies. Um, I'd rather the person write their own story. Um, this gentleman really sounds compassionate about his writing of Al Green, and Al Green is down as one of my three top um, male singers. So I so appreciated hearing that today. I enjoy sound opinion. I love it when there are artists that I'm familiar with, as well as artists I'm not familiar with, but you hit it on the nail with me with Al Green. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You brighten my day. Sit right down and talk to me about how it ought to be. Yes, mm. you ought to be with me. That's my favorite Al Green song. And my name is Shelley Higgins, and I live in Carborough, North Carolina. Thanks. Hold my hand, my dear. Treat me like you're my other woman. 
I really enjoyed you guys' uh, Al Green episode. Super nice. Uh, and I'm just calling to let you know what my favorite Al Green record is. I thought his 2008 record, Lay It Down, uh, was very underappreciated. Super great record. And uh, I think it bears mentioning that uh, maybe the two main torchbearers of soul music today were involved in the record. Uh, Bosco Man, who started Daptone Records and wrote and recorded all Sharon Jones music, uh, engineered and played bass on the album. And then uh, Questlove of The Roots and D'Angelo fame played and wrote a lot of the music for the record. And James Poisoner, who produced uh, Eric Badu's records and was also in The Roots, uh, was also involved in the writing. I think uh, it's cool to see that Al Green could make an incredible album, much like his earlier work, with these uh, modern soul titans. So thanks very much for your uh, Al Green episode and all of your episodes. Love the show, and I look forward to hearing the next one. Goodbye. Come on, come on, stay. Hey guys, my name is Brent from Chicago. I just listened to your uh, review of the Taylor Swift album. I'm a 45-year-old guy who's into industrial and punk music, but I work with a lot of younger people who are Taylor Swift fans. And I just want to say thank you for the honest review. It was thoughtful. I enjoyed listening to it, and I, and I agree with a lot of what you said. I think she's very talented. People are quick to kind of poo-poo on her. Um, but yeah, you know, I always I, I, I like that you guys are honest, and you guys give, you know, Good feedback. Cause I know that it's deadly. Is it cool that I said no more messages? Is it too soon to do this yet? To give us your opinions on sound opinions, call our hotline 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more sound opinions produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.